Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Prep Life Podcast. This is your founder and CEO of Glam Girl Bikini, Amy Anger, today with my fabulous co-host. Hey, guys. This is Chris Nicole, Glam Girl Bikini Coach and IFBB Bikini Pro. So we're going to be talking about fat in the belly. We are yes. going to talk about visceral fat, subcutaneous fat, how to reduce belly fat, and some of the causes of it. But first, mm-hmm. I want to make sure that I let everybody know about our summer slim down. It starts May 1st, goes through the 31st. You have the month of April to sign up. It is on the website, glamgirlbikini.com. You will get your own personalized unicorn prep for the month of May and the opportunity to win some amazing prizes. So I will add the sign-up link to the show notes. So just be sure to hop on with that um if you're not a glam girl client this is a good way to just try us out for a month and see what it's like to have a personalized coach that's looking out for you and your goals and all that good stuff anything to add there chris uh no i think you summed it up really well it's a good chance to if you missed the january one to hop in and test it out get ready for uh summer and kind of just try something different if you've been struggling with getting some results with your physique yeah and we have our last seven days it's been a pretty busy week we have peak week we've got 11 athletes in peak week so a really big team show in iowa des moines this weekend and i get to see chris which i'm super pumped about i'm Uh excited for the year and the season to just get things rolling so this will be a brand new show for um this at least in April, uh, we usually mm-hmm. do the one in November, but this uh, this is the first year for this particular show. So I'm excited to see what the turnout will be. Yeah, me too. I think it'll be a lot of fun. And I am recording in my car. So if anybody hears a dog in the background, Diego <laughs> is with me in my recording studio. So um, yeah, we're on the road and headed headed to Des Moines. So we will be there by Friday. That's awesome. I'm so excited to see mm-hmm. you. And I'm very excited to see these athletes up on stage. We've got yes. some newbies and some veterans, a good mixture. So it'll be a fun time. Yes. All right. Shall we dive right into the belly fat? Yeah, let's podcast? talk about it. Okay. Well, let's first talk about the differences between the visceral and the subcutaneous fat. So the subcutaneous fat is just that fat that's right underneath the skin and it's relatively benign so it's nothing that's mm-hmm. going to cause disease and then deep in the abdomen is visceral fat and that's often is surrounding vital organs like the liver the stomach the intestines and the central the central fat contributes to a lot of chronic inflammation and it's the it contributes to the formation of arterial plaque and blood clots And it's also associated with an increased risk for metabolic disorders, including type 2 diabetes and cardiovascular disease. So the visceral fat is much more dangerous Mm -hmm. than the subcutaneous. And those, you know, occasionally a person can be quite lean with little subcutaneous fat, but then they have higher levels of visceral fat. Or you can have the opposite and they could have almost zero visceral fat but just mm-hmm. a lot of subcutaneous. And I know the only way that I've been able to tell on my personal physique as to whether or not what my actual numbers are is on a DEXA scan. 
Yes. Um, so I kind of know that. Is there any other way that you know to? No. And on the, the DEXA that I get, it, it's not, it's all black and white. Like it's not color coded. So I, on my scans, I haven't been able to see that detail, but I have seen clients um, get, get scanned by DEXA. I think it matters like which machine they have. And you do see that like visceral fat. Uh, yeah. I can't say that I see I I mostly just see the lean tissue is in green and then the fat is in red so I don't really actually see the difference between the visceral and the subcutaneous but it just says oh. how much I have of visceral oh uh, okay which... yeah I do I do think I have seen images with um like comparing scans where you can see mm -hmm. um like by color and that's pretty significant i think if you can see like a color change and visceral fat like around the organs there's so much happening in there but that's good to know that they have the actual numbers um for vis to differentiate for sure visceral and subcutaneous yeah and for some reason and i guess well not it's not just random reason but uh it's basically <laughs> dictated by your hormones your genetics certain medical mm. conditions but for whatever reason, I always have zero visceral fat. It's like, good for you. I don't know how. I mean, I can have a lot of subcutaneous. Trust me, I, have, <laughs> I can have like a very high body percentage uh, in the improvement season. But for whatever reason, I guess it's just genetics. So thanks, mom and dad. Um, yes. I just never have any visceral fat. So that's great. Yeah. But anyway, okay. So a higher body fat percentage. Our genetics, you know will kind of determine and our hormones uh, how that fat is distributed but people mm -hmm. with more body fat are likely to have higher amounts of belly fat and uh, mm -hmm. the difference between men and women is that men tend to collect fat in their belly whereas mm -hmm. women tend to collect it in their legs and we've talked about on previous podcasts that the presence of testosterone uh, just is a, a way that fat, because of that hormone, for whatever reason, it collects more belly fat. If you have fat in your stomach, you have higher testosterone. And then if you have higher estrogen, you'll notice that you carry a lot of weight in your legs, your hips, sometimes mm -hmm. even like the back of your arms, so your tricep area. And mm -hmm. this, this, you know, all this can be... Um, change like we said by hormones so if a woman is postmenopausal so they are in menopause and their ovaries are no longer actively working they're aged and the adrenal glands kind of kick in the adrenal mm -hmm. glands make more testosterone so a lot of clients that are either perimenopause or in menopause will notice that they start and even on their DEXA scans I've seen in some clients they're like, why are my legs leaner now? Um, and now my belly, I'm collecting more fat. And it's due to mm. the levels of testosterone. That shift in the hormones uh, creates more collection in the stomach. So, uh, you know, the adrenal glands are pumping out more uh, testosterone when you're or in menopause. And so that's the reason why that happens. Anything to add on that? Um, yeah, I think that's why... Um, uh, I don't know. I feel like sometimes people just attribute your progress to only nutrition and only 
exercise expenditure and while there's like truth to the calorie you know calories in calories out um i think specifically with women and working with glam girl seeing like women of all different ages and how not only their bodies are different from each other but they're different in, in stages of life and paying attention to that to your hormone level so like no hormone is bad i think some people are like oh estrogen's awful because it makes you gain fat in your your hips and your thighs and then testosterone's bad because it it makes you gain in your midsection it's all about like balance and attributing like your hormone health to where you are in life so it's definitely something to be accounted for yeah and then as we age the fat cells also age and they secrete more inflammatory factors and mm-hmm. so those also get redistributed from subcutaneous stores to the visceral deposits. So, wow, it's just so fun to age, right? Um, <laughs> to get more of the damaging types of fat cells. And then anytime that somebody is chronically stressed and they have high cortisol levels, I'm sure everybody's heard of, you know, cortisol and what that does to belly fat. You store a lot mm-hmm. more belly fat. And so if you're chronically stressed, you're going to have the visceral fat will, it'll soak more up to, um, it'll break down the cortisol. So the visceral fat is like a, a sponge for the cortisol. Mm-hmm. So if you keep having cortisol running through your body, the visceral fat will be there to soak it up. So hence why the belly fat can kind of escalate from that situation. Correct. And then do you want to take any of the other parts like as to why maybe visceral fat changes like with genes and things like that? Yeah. So like Amy had mentioned, your genetics do play a factor in your fat distribution. So there are certain gene variants that are linked to um, body fat distribution more in your midsection. So it can be written in your um, DNA how you're carrying your body fat. Oops, sorry. That's my dog. (laughs) And um so everybody carries the genes. It's just w- which ones are expressed. Um, so, you know, some people are more predisposed to carry in your midsection versus your hips and your legs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then if we think about women, especially immediately postpartum, even when they lose like the baby, you know, the 13 pounds from the baby, the placenta, other tissues and mm-hmm. things, um, you'll notice that their bodies especially their bellies look a lot different um once they return to their pre-pregnancy weight even and it's just that abdominal tissue uh, may look a little bit fluffier and the fat may be um just a little bit more uh disproportioned than it had been previously but um you know there's nothing wrong with that love your body Mm -hmm. it's going to get back to where it needs to be but um some ways that just like general population and then also um, prep lifers can lose belly fat. There's uh, six steps that we have here that we wanted to go over. But just remember that, unfortunately, there's no such thing as spot reducing. So Mm -hmm. it's one of those things that you cannot just lose by doing. I used to think, I don't know why, I just, I always had like a little bit of a pooch when I was growing up. because I really didn't watch what I ate, you know, um, yeah. but I was super skinny and I thought like by doing all these crunches, like I would do a mm-hmm. thousand crunches a day. So I think like over time, like once I actually knew how to eliminate sugar and like eat, you know, in a healthy proportionate way, um, 
in terms of that. So once I got like the belly fat off, then I had really strong abs because I had worked on them so hard. But uh, <laughs> there's no way to just, you know, target it to one area. Unfortunately, yes. like Chris mentioned, it is at the end of the day, a deficit of calories. So right. whether that's more movement or eating less, uh, either way you slice it, you're just going to start losing fat in different areas. And for whatever reason, women tend to, from what I've found from coaching tons of women is just, they lose from their face to their shoulders, to their stomach. Mm -hmm. And then finally at the end, it's like the legs area. Yep. So, um, yeah, you just can't be super specific, but unfortunately, um, but I think that if we kind of think about our weight loss in general, it's been known and we've talked about this before. So we expect our clients to lose about a pound a week. So, you know, mm -hmm. an average of like four to five pounds a month, and that will equate to about an inch per month in your waistline. So you can expect that if you are losing about a pound a week, then you're going to lose about a quarter of an inch off your midsection each week. And that of course is due to a calorie deficit, nothing else. Um, but let's go over step number one through six of just, you know, some ways that we can kind of think about this. Sure. So you want me to take the first one? Sure. I took that as my cue. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You read the Perfect. Okay. So number one is knowing why you want to change your midsection. So I honestly think a lot of us attribute our, not only our health, but how we feel about ourselves to the midsection area. So, and the reason I say that is because when we're bloated or we feel like we're, you know, have a food baby or whatever it is, if our waistline is uh, bigger, we feel worse about ourselves. I just have noticed that trend. So I think a lot of our value comes from the waistline and when we're looking at reducing body fat in that area, just making sure that you're keeping a long game in mind of what Amy said, like you can't spot train. So like doing the crunches and I people all the time in the gym doing all this oblique work, especially women that are telling me that I want to have a tiny waist. So you're doing a lot of like side crunches and all kinds of things to target that specific area where they can like grab a bunch of fat. Um, and realizing that it's a, it's a long game. So you're going to lose body fat in different areas and making sure that you're continuing to, to work in a deficit, that you're making sure that you're getting consistent movement and making sure you're, you're knowing that like you're wanting, you have other goals versus just, I want to shrink my belly. Like, do you want to, um, you know, just be healthier, increase activity, um, be able to like wear some more slimming clothes because you'll feel more confident at work. Uh, you know, like attributing it to other things versus just like targeting and focusing on one area. Um, because then I think it can, that can stem from some unhealthy motives when it comes to reducing our waistline. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned this number one, uh, topic is just that, I had a conversation with a competitor this week about she's like, you know, in the past, like couple of preps, I had like specific reasons why, like my why was very mm. clear as to why I wanted to do this. Like 
during the pandemic, I wanted something to focus on that was positive or et cetera, et cetera. Um, And this prep, she's kind of like, you know, other than just wanting to fit in this amazing bikini, she's like, isn't there something like a little bit deeper that I can go for with that? And I said, you know, it'll feel like superficial or maybe a bit narcissistic to just be like, oh, I want to like have shredded abs and look a certain way. But when you think about the activities that surround you getting to that point. So she, we kind of dug a little deeper and she liked the structure and the way that Mm. she was showing up in her relationships with good energy and her confidence um, and how that, you know, spilled over in different parts of her life. So we kind of talked about what are your, what are your values? Like what are some things that you value? Like what relationships, what's important, school, work, all these things. And can competing kind of contribute to those in a positive way? And Mm -hmm. we were just both discussing how, you know, unbelievably uh, so much more, I'm personally so much more successful, like with my work and with my day-to-day life when I am prepping and I'm super focused on myself as an athlete because I am more structured in my Mm. time I'm not just like wasting it on binge watching episodes of Netflix or anything like I have to get stuff done you know so I'm very I I utilize my time very efficiently I think there's a good saying that it's like um, if you want to get something done ask the busiest person in the room Um, and I think there's a little bit to that you know because um, yes I think sometimes when we don't have things to do or we don't have things to focus on we can become like a little complacent but I just totally went on a tangent <laughs> any thoughts to add before no I but I think that's two? that's yeah so I think that that's great especially too because we have a lot of women that are they have full-time careers they have kids they have both or one or the other and um I do think like it that's part of what's happening in the culture is women are just working so much to do uh, many different tasks that they're neglecting themselves and they're constantly chasing the cycle of wanting to be uh wanting to be healthy too or wanting to look a certain way so i do think that's a really good conversation you have with your client of like making it a little bit more meaningful um and i do agree i think that i feel privileged as a coach to be able to give people regiments to make them block off time to take care of themselves like here is like nutrition recommendations here's training um so that you can go take some time and take care of yourself and even if it's being accountable to another person because you know you have that third you know the coach as your accountability um i do think it adds value so um i just agree with everything you're mentioning there yeah and then Number two is accept even if begrudgingly there is no trick to spot reducing belly fat. So I think just living in this instantaneous lifestyle where we feel like we want something yesterday, it's really important to know that other than like liposuction or body Mm -hmm. contouring, there's not a quick fix. So it is going to take time. Belly Belly fat loss goes along with the overall loss. So we need to make sure that, you know, you're really taking a hard look at what your diet and your exercise look like, because if those aren't in the right spots, 
which again is a helpful reason why you have a coach. It's like that outside party that's being real with the fact like, okay, you know, this is actually a deficit for you and setting those yes. parameters around your macros and like how many steps you need to do and how much cardio mm-hmm. you need to do and um, like what your intensity of your weight training should be. So. Right. Yes. All right. Three. You got this one. Um, okay. Here's a shocker for everyone. Write this down. Um, so number three is consuming a diet centered around minimally processed foods. So um, I think that's the other thing is there's a lot of uh, special juices or, um, you know, teas, all those kinds of things that they, you know, advertise that they will reduce your midsection and help trim you up and all those kinds of things. Um, So there's that end of the spectrum. And then there's also just like calorie dense foods that are really easy to overeat. So when we're talking about putting you in a deficit, making sure that you're getting, um, you know, lean proteins, fruits, your vegetables, you know, whole grains, complex carbs, um, and then healthy fats from sources that are going to give you a lot of volume. They're going to um, give you the most nutrients. That's the other thing as well as making sure that you're getting a full spectrum of your vitamins and minerals. That's just going to, it's going to contribute to your overall health as well. But eating these foods will help with satiety. They'll help give you good energy. So you may feel like, you know, you could do a little bit more with your exercise or your everyday movement. Um, and they'll just make you feel better. So there's no secret there. What you eat will affect, um, you know, your body fat, just your body fat percentage. Yeah. And I think the biggest key takeaway to this, and it's aside from the obvious, um, is that trans fats, trans fats actually can cause belly fat. So Mm -hmm. however, there's not a way to like specifically reduce body fat, but it trans fats have been known to actually cause belly fat. So, um, they did a study on rats that they were fed a high saturated fat diet or a high trans fat diet. And after eight weeks, the rats on the high trans fat had significantly more visceral fat compared to the rats Mm -hmm. on the high saturated fats diet. So the reason why there actually hasn't been a study on humans, which we know rodent, you know, obviously rodents can be different obviously than us, but, um, (laughs) it's, so the reason is that it would be a negative health effect to a human to actually do this. So the study would be deemed unethical, which I think says a lot for it because that it pretty much proves like if you were to do this on humans, they would gain more visceral fat, mm-hmm. which is a huge health, um, you know, a bad health marker. And then you, if you want to, know what kind of foods have these partially hydrogenated oils and things like that that are trans fats they're usually found in the the shelf stable foods so like your baked goods your crackers your cookies and just reducing and eliminating those foods not only will help you feel better but it'll also reduce your risk for gaining more visceral fat and then number four we talk about this all the time with our mindful eating practices eat slowly until satisfied. So listening to your body's cues, being able to relax so you rest and digest, um, eating slowly so that you can, um, you know, feel the sense of being full and 
you're going to be able to really help with your weight management and also your connection with your food and your body. Uh, one more thing I just wanted to add about the partial hydrogenated oil is peanut butter is one that, you know, prep lifers love their peanut butter. And that can be an ingredient found in uh, a lot of those nut butters. So that's another thing to kind of look for in your in your diet as well to avoid trans fats. Um, and then and then number five, the last one is to. Oh, no, we have six. <laughs> my bad. Yeah. OK, so number five is um, exercise so finding things that you enjoy and you like so a lot of us are probably on programs where we have exercise regimens and cardio regimens maybe some step goals Um, but communicating with your coach if there is something that is just really hard on your body it makes you feel really banged up like hit for example some people I think um, are their bodies are primed they do great with hit those power exercises are excellent for them and there's other people, um, you know, maybe there's an injury, you have, you know, some joint issues, and it's not a good exercise choice, but you can still get um, energy expenditure from other activities. So just making sure that you are uh, communicating with your coach with how you are exercising, um, and then also just making sure that you're paying attention to, like, heart rate or calorie burn or whatever it is to make sure that you are definitely um, putting yourself in that deficit with activity. Yeah. And there have been some studies that say that high high intensity interval training uh, does boost visceral fat loss loss, um, in general. So just remember though, like Chris said, make sure you're picking an exercise that will work for you long-term, but there has been some research stating mm-hmm. that the visceral fat can get targeted through hit training and then I just wanted to briefly talk about this isn't number six but uh, supplements I think there's a lot of hype I remember seeing mm. a client's it was a supplement that said like belly fat reducer or something some you know mm. that would be like clickbaity and I read the yeah. back of it and it's just CLA and I'm mm. like how is this <laughs> belly fat reducer um, so I just I know for sure that CLA is a great thing. Um, I don't personally supplement it because I eat grass-fed beef. And Mm -hmm. chewing the cud, the grass, um, chewing the grass, the cows actually produce that CLA enzyme. So you really don't have to supplement CLA if you're having grass-fed meats like that. Um, But I know that there's been some, like, evidence in relation to that being specific to belly fat loss but that's the one that like sticks out in my mind that it's it's still not proven that it even targets belly fat did you have any other supplements that you wanted to talk about well i think are misnomers yeah well i think that's the biggest thing it's like like you can't spot train you can't uh take a supplement and target one specific area that you want to burn fat on so you know using fat burners or caffeine stuff like that increasing your thermo your internal therm temperature to burn some extra calories uh those like that those types of things are helping promote a big uh, a little bit more of a deficit it's no no there's no magic pill 
Um, there's still a lot of hard work that goes into it, but like Amy said, I think targeting a specific area, even with supplementation, um, I, I just haven't found anything that has with, uh, evidence base that has said that that's, that's true. So, um, I think being overall healthy and, and taking in the account all spectrums of life and reducing stress and all those things, I think that's where you get the most bang for your buck. Yeah. And just to play devil's advocate, I do think that, you know, cortisol blockers like core 21, uh, things like Mm -hmm. that of that nature that do block your cortisol. If you are a high chronic cortisol producer, remember we had mentioned earlier that visceral fat is kind of the agent that soaks up the extra cortisol. So it has been known that if you do have a lot of cortisol that you will store more in the belly. So Mm -hmm. Um, you know, caffeine is one of those things that promotes cortisol production and things like that. So just all things to kind of think about, um, when it comes to that. So with the last one, um, just the approach, all the above with self-compassion, um, and not criticism. So you just need to make sure that you're being kind to yourself and that you are taking the steps that will be the right steps towards this goal of losing belly fat and keeping all things in perspective as to, you know, the more consistent you are at the end of the day, that is what's going to make you, you know, get to your goal. So whatever you can consistently stay to with your diet, whatever you can consistently stick to with your, your exercise, and then even just like addressing stress and things like that and making sure Mm -hmm. that you're, you know, making sure you're recovering and taking time to maybe if it's meditate or um, be mindful so that you're not in a constant stress situation. I think those are all ways that, uh, that we can target the belly fat in general. Exactly. Yes. I always think physique changes are highly affected by mindset as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with that, we're at the 30-minute mark, so I hope you were able to learn a few things about belly fat, and if you are interested in having your own personalized unicorn prep for your goals, you can go to glamgirlbikini.com and hit the Get Started button. If you have any sort of ideas or questions about uh, what you would like for us to cover on the podcast, you can reach out to us on Instagram at glamgirlbikini or at I can't talk (laughs) podcast Um, and be sure to tag us on your story if you appreciated this episode share it with a friend rate or review on Apple Podcasts it would so help us out just getting the word out there and we just want to help other people in the prep life so this is your founder and CEO of Glam Girl Bikini Amy Anger signing off with my fabulous co-host And this is Chris Nicole, Glam Girl Bikini Coach and IFBB Bikini Pro. Thanks for listening, guys.